Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet him, greet him, treat him, and street him. Today's date is October 4th, 2022, and I'm your skeptical host, Ken Milne. The title of today's podcast is Lead Me On, What I Learned from Top Gun. And this is an SGEM Extra, and we wanted to talk about what we learned from the original 1986 Top Gun movie. And joining me, my wingman, if you will, instead of guest skeptic today, is my best friend forever, BFF, Dr. Chris Carpenter. He is a professor of emergency medicine in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. And he also co-wrote the book on evidence-based emergency care, diagnostic testing, and clinical decision rules. Welcome back to the SGEM, Chris. Thanks for having me back, Ken. Did I tell you my big news? Big news? My family's moving to the Great White North. You're coming to Canada? Uh, no, a little, little south of the Great White North then. I'm, I'm moving to Mayo Clinic Rochester to become Vice Chair of Implementation and Innovation. Wow, congratulations. That's fantastic news. The Mayo is so lucky to have you. But I do need to ask, what is Vice Chair of Implementation and Innovation? Uh, as far as I know, that role doesn't exist anywhere else. The big picture idea is that I will build an infrastructure and a team with implementation science expertise to transition from what we know to what we do on a system level scale. In other words, trying to mobilize the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine knowledge translation objectives across the Mayo hospitals. You are always one step ahead of me, implementing what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to cut the knowledge translation window down, but once people have that knowledge, they still need to implement it. So, wow, you're always one step ahead of me, Chris. Don't think so, Ken. So, um, when we were younger, you know, Top Gun came out, 1986. Wow. I still remember how excited I was to go see that movie. Yeah, me too. Those were the days. Oh, the halcyon days. But, of course, this spring they released Top Gun Maverick. And so I hosted a weekend extravaganza. Now, when it was first announced that they were coming out with a, a sequel to Top Gun, you know, I was just going to have, uh, you know, go out with some friends and go see Top Gun. But it kept on getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And by the time it was delayed for over two years, it became a three-day weekend. And this involved watching the original movie on an outdoor inflatable movie screen with friends who traveled from all over the world. We played a little beach volleyball the next day. And then we went out and saw Top Gun Maverick on the big screen. It was an epic weekend with friends from around the world. We even stood up as the lights dimmed in the theater and sang, She's Lost That Loving Feeling. Ken, you know how to crush my soul. You know, now I've lost that loving feeling because you planned that party for two years. And, and COVID decided to visit me a few days before we, I, I left for that party. I missed the Top Gun Maverick extravaganza, and, and the reason is, again, I didn't want to become a citizen of Canada for three weeks, so I stayed home, and I missed the fun. Yeah, if you had come over and you had tested positive, you would have had to self-isolate with me for, I think, two to maybe even three weeks before you'd be able to return to the U.S., so yeah, we would have watched the movie over and over and over again if you were there. Yeah, maybe I should have made the trip. But you did get a Top Gun Maverick hat. I did. All right, so I had this idea, you know, if people were coming together, why not record an SGEM Extra about what we learned from the original Top Gun, similar to the episode I did with 
my kindness guru, Dr. Brian Goldman, when we made that other epic trip to celebrate William Shatner's 90th birthday last year and recorded how Star Trek made us better physicians. Yeah, the once-in-a-lifetime trip to New York that you made with Brian, and I'm glad that we're finally putting this SGM Extra t together. Yeah, and you know, I know that you're a Star Trek fan yourself, right? You're an original series guy? I'm not the level of you at Brian, but yeah, I love, <laughs> I love Star Trek. Star Trek Enterprise is my favorite. Is it really? Star Trek Enterprise? It is. And, and what would you put as number three then? You know, the original series number one, number two is Enterprise, number three... I think I'm a next generation guy. Next gen? Yeah. Because I would go original series, Deep Space Nine, um, next generation, then Enterprise. Yeah, I'd put Deep Space Nine after next generation for me. Anyways, this is not another Star Trek podcast. We're here to talk about Top Gun. Actually, we are back together for the first time in real life attending another ASEP conference. This is ASEP 2022 in San Francisco. And I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but we get together at ASEP once a year and we room together, we go to the conference together. I'm your plus one because you're so plugged into all of these organizations in the U.S. And I ride, I ride your coattails basically. And so this is the first time, I think the last time it was 2019 in Colorado that we were together. Yeah, pre-COVID. Spending time with you is always the highlight of the conference for me. <laughs> and personally, my favorite ASAP 22 lecture this year was the annual review with you, Jan Schoenberg, and Rick Bucata with a special appearance by Jerry Hoffman. And you taught me how to use the reverse Valsalva maneuver to stop that SVT. It's always great to get together and do that panel session. And you know, like what was it, 15 years ago or so? you know, 20 years, 15 years ago at least, we would go to the Rick and Jerry panel session and sit up front, you know, and just be enthralled by that session. And here we are, 2022, and it's a surreal feeling to be up there on the stage with Rick Bucata. And of course with Jan, I mean, she's phenomenal. Um, but to, to do that and, and be part of ASAP and give that lecture, it's just always been so much fun. And I still learn from that lecture what's hot in the literature, what should I be reading. I also had fun highlighting the different opportunities to apply research in the rural and the urban settings with you at the rural EM section here. Oh, yeah, we, we do our annual debate. Um, I remember one year it was in Washington, D.C., and I had a Don Cherry red suit with uh, Canadian maple leaves, you know, in white all over it. And I secretly called up your wife in advance of that, got your measurements, and had a suit tailored and made for you with the uh, stars and stripes on it. Remember that one in Washington? I do remember that. That's a memory I won't forget. <laughs> yeah, you won't because I keep posting a picture of it. But um, this year, um, it was a rural versus urban again, and this time I had you in the uh, silver um, sparkly lab coat, like the ivory tower, and I came in with the Patch Adams, you know, it looked like a, a quilt lab coat put together with leftover material. And and uh, we played the Donnie and Marie song as our intro because I'm a little bit country and you are? I'm a little bit rock and roll. Exactly. Yeah, so it was great. But you were talking about lessons and takeaways. There, there were so many different lessons and takeaways from Top Gun. And, you know, we're just going to mention a few for this special episode. Five, your favorite number? Yeah, you know, I thought about this and I went, five? There are so many more lessons and takeaways from the original Top Gun that five would not be enough to cover it. Uh, must be ten then. You're twice your favorite number? You would think. 
because five is my favorite number. But my second favorite number is 11. So we're going to do 11. All right. So the first takeaway I wanted to talk about was be prepared to fail. So early on in the movie, Jester says, quote, that was some of the best flying I've seen to date, right up to the part where you got killed. And so Maverick takes risks, and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't work out too well. You know, at one point he has to drop below the hard deck to get a kill shot, but he was reprimanded for that. Another time he took a chance in a bar um, trying to sing She's Lost That Loving Feeling uh, to Charlie, who was played by Kelly McGillis. And that did turn out okay. So in life, we need to be prepared to fail because we will fail. I have certainly failed. Chris, have you ever failed in life? Absolutely. Many, many times. Yeah. And, and you know, it's what we learn from this failing. And failing might be a little strong of a word, but when we stumble, when we fall down, it's the picking ourselves up that's more important than the falling down itself. Well, that leads into the second lesson, Ken, which relates to your first lesson, picking yourself up. Never leave your wingman, because none of us are ever alone. Sometimes it feels like we are, but there's always a wingman to stay with us and help pick us up. Maverick came into Top Gun a bit of a loner. His only real friend, Goose. He needs to learn to work together in a team, because early on, it's all about him and his flying and his ego. In medicine, we the doctors, the nurses, the hospital administrators, the healthcare policy folks need to work together as a team for our patients to have the best outcomes we can. Maverick leaves his wingman at one point in the Top Gun training and fails his exercise as a result of that decision. Later in the movie, when it counts, he stays with his wingman in combat and Maverick is successful. This leads to the exchange between Iceman and Maverick. Iceman, you can be my wingman anytime. Maverick, Bullpucky, you can be my wing wingman. Well, Chris, you know that I will always be your wingman. And I yours, Ken. So, uh, number three, asking for permission. You know, sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And Maverick learns this because he asks permission to buzz the tower. And uh, he's told no, but he buzzes the tower anyways. And Maverick and Goose get dressed down by their superior officer for doing that. And so he learns a lesson there, you know. Um, don't disobey orders. We also need to remember to put patient care at the center of our decision making. And this means at times we might be treating first and asking for permission from administration later. Yeah, and then number four, attitude or lack of knowledge. Iceman at one point says, Maverick, it's not your flying, it's your attitude. The enemy's dangerous, but right now you're worse dangerous and foolish. You may not like who's flying with you, but whose side are you on? And that, that gets into medicine where it's often a question, is it a lack of knowledge or is it a poor attitude? What gets us into to trouble of, often is not our medical knowledge or our capacity to absorb new knowledge into our clinical armamentarium, but rather our attitude. As clinicians, as scientists, as healthcare leaders, we need to have an attitude that we are a team working together for patients. We're not isolated cogs in some vast machine with each cog completely independent of one another. You know who's going to love that part about teamwork? It is Dr. Brian Goldman, because he's just recently released a book on the power of teamwork. And so working in the emergency department, it is so important to work 
as a team. And you and I both have residents in the department, mm -hmm. and I'm often heard saying, you know, I can teach for a lack of knowledge. It's you can f you can provide that information. You can provide you know the drug dosing, the procedure, the approach, the differential diagnosis, but the attitude. That's what's really important. And you can't transplant an attitude, right? You know, I mean, you can role model, I guess, and you can lead by example, but I'm more focused on when residents are training with me. Yeah, sure, we'll get, we'll get to the knowledge stuff, but if I can show them how to have that teamwork attitude so that we, you know, because we work in a very, very chaotic environment, but we'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead here. So let's go to number five, and this is time to think. Often in the emergency department, we don't have time to think. I mean, we need to make life and death decisions on limited information. And this is why training and knowledge is important. So you do have to have that knowledge and you do have to have that training if you're out there working as the, an emergency attending. And so high fidelity sim training can be super helpful. And so in the movie, Top Gun, 1986, Maverick says, quote, you don't have time to think up there. If you think, you're dead. Now, I do want to encourage people to think while they're working on shift, of course. But, you know, if you've done that training in advance, if you've done that high-fidelity simulation that some of our colleagues are training us in, you know, having that, then you just, you just do. You don't think, you just do. Yeah, it's that cognitive capacity that we talk about, the type 1, the type 2 decision-making. And you need both. You need both. And you need to strengthen your ability to apply both, which means a lot of what we do in emergency medicine doesn't occur during those times of our clinical shift. It occurs off times when we're doing simulation, when we're picking up the journals, reading the articles, when we are going to EM abstracts or going to ASAP and learning the newest information. Number six is about that chaotic environment and our ability to thrive in a chaotic environment. At one point in Top Gun, Charlie says, you're not going to be happy unless you're going Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Many ED physicians went into emergency medicine because they love to have their hair on fire. The emergency department is often very chaotic. Multiple things happening at the same time that distract us from a patient-centered and empathetic approach to care. Constantly being interrupted. Oh, you mean like for uh, reading normal ECGs? Yes, because we need those EKGs in front of us so that we don't miss that hyperkalemic patient, right? Uh, now, people don't know the backstory on that, but we're... we're... Just move on. So constantly being interrupted amidst a, a tremendous density of decision-making, cognitive load. We, we're dealing with anything that walks through the door, anyone, any place, any time, and ever-expanding tethering to computers to document more and more and more in the electronic health record, and the pressure, the personal pressure, the professional pressure, the me medical malpractice pressure to be correct all the time. But having said all that, we all love it. Yeah. We do. All right, number seven. This is about backstory. So Goose is talking to Maverick, and he, he says, every time you go up there, it's like you're flying with a ghost. And this just reminds me that everyone has a backstory. We know so little about each other, and that means our colleagues that we're working with, the team that we're working with, but also the patients that we're trying to help. Everyone is potentially fighting a battle we know nothing about. And it could help explain why you have some bad behavior in some of your colleagues and teammates. You don't know why. 
because there's maybe something completely outside of what's happening in that chaotic emergency environment that is responsible for that behavior that's being expressed. So Maverick in the movie is struggling with many things, and one of them is he was living in the shadow of his father's reputation as a Navy pilot. So this just reminds me, we need to be kind to each other. We need to be more empathetic, more sympathetic, more understanding. And when somebody snaps or does something that seems to be out of proportion to what's actually going on, remember, they have a backstory too. That's why I love coming to ASAP because I've, I've heard story after story at ASAP about our, our physician and nurse colleagues going through burnout and the reasons that they sometimes behave the way that they do, why they show up late to shifts where there's a problem brewing there that you don't think about. You're just worried about them being five minutes late. Why that patient who comes back as a familiar face or a frequent flyer, why are they coming back? Is it because they want to be in the emergency department every other day? Or is it maybe because they don't have housing or food? They just think for a minute, what, what is the real problem here? Yeah, reframe it. Cause you know, even just with you saying that, you know, oh, they've bounced back. They're a frequent flyer, these negative pejorative terms. And we don't realize what's the why? It's about the why. Why are they here? What's the backstory? What brings them back again? Does anybody really want to be in the emergency department? Like, I mean, I do, you do. Well, the turkey sandwiches because are we, fabulous. Well, you know, um, we want to be there. We want to be there. But it can be, a, a you know, not the greatest place to spend six, eight, or multiple hours. Number eight, Ken, is teamwork. I, I want to get back to that teamwork. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but in emergency medicine, it isn't just about the emergency physician or the cardiologist or the surgeon or the gastroenterologist, whatever. Optimal emergency care requires a great team working together. This, is, this was demonstrated again and again in Top Gun. It's not only the pilots that need to perform at a high level, but also the team members that get them in the air, to help them stay in the air, to land safely. We could not do what we do without nurses, techs, support staff, janitorial staff, etc. The mission of Skeptic's Guide to shorten the knowledge translation window also requires an exceptional team of medical educators, local opinion leaders, researchers, implementation science experts to be successful. It's none of those in isolation is going to accomplish this mission. You're right. It does take a great team all working together for a common goal. And, and you know, I just bring it back to the patient. It starts with patient care and it ends with patient care. So we're all on team patient and we need to work towards that. And a fundamental part of that is communication and that's the ninth thing I wanted to bring up. Good communication is such an important aspect of a highly functional team. Things like closed loop communication, things like directing people during a code, or on the other side, soliciting input from your team members to provide better care to patients. I mean, how many times do we hear in Top Gun, Maverick say, talk to me, Goose? Many, many times. And, and that communication brings me a little bit into number 10, which is about clinical judgment, because that clinical judgment has to be transparent and communicated transparently to all stakeholders. Remember in Top Gun when Charlie was watching video of Maverick flying at Miramar? and judged him a bit harshly. She says, my review of her flight performance was right on, but let me finish my sentence, Maverick. That what I said was right, but I held something back. I see some real genius in your flying, Maverick. And, and where it exists, and, and it often doesn't exist for most of what we do in emergency medicine, for our daily decision-making, pertinent research should inform our care. 
but it should not dictate our care. We need to assess the potential benefits, the potential harms for each decision and each patient. Apply that evidence using your clinical judgment in the context of the situation and the individual patient's priorities and preferences. Wow, I can't believe how you brought that back. Number 10, you brought back the three pillars of evidence-based medicine. Because, you know, uh, Charlie talks to some of the other pilots and she talks about these textbook maneuvers, right? And we read textbooks, we read the papers, we read the literature, right? That's the evidence that informs our care, guides our care, but it shouldn't dictate our care. And that's what happens when Charlie's talking and she's saying, you know, like she's talking about he should have done this other maneuver based on the textbook but she wasn't able to finish her sentence because he applied his clinical judgment. And, you know, using that clinical judgment is so important in the practice of medicine. How much high quality, clinically relevant information do we have in emergency medicine to say, thou shalt do it this way always? We've got more than we did 50 years ago, but 85% of what we do, not much. Yeah, and so, I mean, I did that umbrella review recently on the SGEM, and it talked about only 2.8% of what we do in emergency medicine has high quality, low risk of bias information to inform our care. And so that means we need to have good clinical judgment. And so Maverick, of course, applies his piloting skills on top of what he knows about you know the plane's limits and how it can work and function and stuff like that. And the glass half empty, glass half full part of that equation of your, your umbrella review, the 2.5% is that, that maybe we should just stop reading the literature. That's the glass half empty approach because nothing's going to inform what we do. The glass half full approach is let's work hard and do research and fill up the rest of that cup. And we've got so much work ahead of us to really improve the care that we deliver. Let's do it. Well, you could say it's a target-rich environment. Look at how many questions out there that still need answering. So we need to ask the right questions and use the right methodology to answer those questions with patient-oriented outcomes. I follow Professor Altman's uh, quote about, you know, not needing more research, but needing better research. All right, we made it. Number 11. This is people still die. And this is not to end on a downer, but you can do everything right as an emergency physician and patients will still die. And this is an important lesson to learn in the practice of medicine. I mean, we try to do our best for everyone, but everyone does eventually die. And you might be the last clinician to have contact with that person. And that can really hurt. You can internalize that. You can feel guilty about that. And doing the right thing and not committing any errors, again, people will die. Patients will die. And this is a lesson that Maverick has to face and learn when Goose dies and Maverick was cleared of any wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. You know, they follow that up in Top Gun Maverick, the new movie. Now, no spoiler alerts. We're not talking about Top Gun Maverick here. I encourage people, if they're uh, interested, to go see the movie. But they do touch upon that theme transfers over to the new movie, to the sequel, about how does he deal with that guilt of thinking he could have done something better. And you know what? You can do everything right, and still the patient will die. Yes, medicine is not perfect. We're not perfect. And, and we're not deities either. Patients die. 
So those are the 11 lessons that I wanted to talk about. Uh, there are many more, of course, in Top Gun. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or impressions? Because, you know, you watched it back in 1986, and then, then we rewatched it again. Well, we've watched it many times over the last 30-something years. But we did, we did watch it again uh, in 2022. Yeah, I was able to see Top Gun Maverick on Father's Day because I missed your glorious party. My college-age children were in town for the weekend. They told me that we were going to see a Pixar movie, and then they pulled me into the Top Gun movie at the last minute. And as I sat there on Father's Day, I noticed a philosophical schism emerging for me emotionally. I had seen Top Gun as a soon-to-be college freshman in 1986, at a time when I felt young and certain of my worldly knowledge and completely invincible. Maverick was me, and he was always on the moral high ground in every scene. Fast forward to 2022, and I saw Maverick realizing that he had at times been unnecessarily careless and, and wanted his students to learn from his mistakes as an instructor now. With great power comes great responsibility, and sometimes that means deviating from the norm, taking a different path that may be less fun or, or a little more arduous. Stinger, Jester, and Viper were not trying to hold Maverick back or suppress his talents. They were trying to keep him alive and help him to see that the squadron working as a team was stronger than any individual pilot on that team. As an older pilot in Top Gun, Maverick, he had realized those lessons and helped the team survive impossible odds to succeed. You know, that's really interesting pulling that out because I had a similar impression. You know, I'm older and more mature than you. No, I think I'm a year older than you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you are old, old wise and one. Oh, yeah, old wise and one. So I, I remember seeing this. And again, you know, I, I identified with those young hotshot pilots. Mm-hmm. And it was just exhilarating. And I thought, look at these old guys. Look at these instructors trying to hold them. Don't they realize how talented these individuals are? Maverick is better than them. That's why they're holding them back. Yeah. And, and watching it again in 2022... Again, now being a middle-aged man, I'm identifying more with his instructors and their lessons and what they're trying to teach Maverick in that original movie about. His ego was writing checks his body couldn't cash. And it wasn't his plane. And he was part of a team. Whether it was him and Goose, or the whole squadron, or that whole aircraft carrier that supported him being up in the sky, being able to do that. And now that I'm in, you know, the later part of my career, uh, I'm part of a team and I want our team to provide great care. And that means everybody working together and not as individuals. Yeah. And and thanks for allowing me to speak a little bit about Top Gun Maverick, Ken, because I know we're supposed to be talking about Top Gun, but for me, it's impossible to talk about one without talking about the other. And Top Gun Maverick is ultimately a movie about maturing into adulthood and finding redemption for our past mistakes. None of us wants to be wrong, but all of us sometimes are. That's life. What we still have today, we should absorb those lessons. Take a deep breath and step into tomorrow with courage, humility, and the ideals that we value. Carpe diem, right? Seize the day, my friend. Seize the day. And that's what we've been doing every time we come to an ASAP meeting. Here we are, San Francisco, and we are seizing the day, doing this podcast together, and just really enjoying our friendship. So I'm so glad you were able to do this with me finally. Me too, Ken. Let's not let this end.
All right, so the SGEM will be back next episode trying to cut that knowledge translation window down from over 10 years to less than one year using the power of social media with the ultimate goal for patients getting the best care based on the best evidence. Wingman, can you read the SGEM tagline? Sure, Ken. Remember to be skeptical of anything you've learned, even if you've heard it on the Skeptic Guide to Emergency Medicine. Talk to everyone next time.